us before you join me in your copy of God's Word in that rich letter of James, would you help me thank God for our choir? It's so good to have them up, our praise team, always our media ministry, our ushers, our greeters, our deacons, and each and every one of you, the body of Christ. For this is a great day to celebrate. This is the day the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be and be glad in it. Our message for the morning is coming from that letter that we began our series in last Sunday, the letter of James, or the epistle of James, James, that half-brother of Jesus Christ. And there in his epistle, I invite you to join me beginning at the second verse. As you're turning there, allow me to tell you just a little bit about uh, this writer, this author, James. Um, Have you ever known someone um, who gets quick to the point? I mean, you know, you know somebody who, who cuts to the chase. They, they don't have flowery words um, or, or exaggerated descriptors. No, they're the kind of people that if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask the question. If you don't know somebody like that, you are the somebody I'm talking to, talking about. Uh, my best friend's like that. Um, if you want to know the truth, then you ask her. But if you don't want to know the truth, um, don't ask her. It won't be buttery. It won't be flowery. It's going to just be the T.I. is, just like it is. That's really how James is. James comes not with uh, flowery words, but really practical insights on what it means and looks like to live out our faith. And check out what he says beginning at that second verse to believers, to Christians, to those who are following the Lordship of Christ. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Check out it again. He says to the Christian, count it all joy when you meet, when? Did he say if? The possibility of? No, he says when you meet various trials, our Christian response is to count it all joy. Now, I, I know that um, for many of us, that's almost uh, a contradistinction. You know, I'm going through a trial, a problem, and you want me to be joyful? Uh, we're going to work on that for a moment, but let me just check, just in case you've disconnected. Uh, I hope you haven't, because the reality is all of us have a common experience in this human life. All of us have something in common. I know you may come from a different place. I know you may have a different background, but the truth is all of us have a shared experience in the human condition. And that is, if you don't have a problem, you're about to encounter a problem. If you encounter a problem, you're about to walk out of that problem. But all of us, no matter our age and stage of life, will encounter problems. Christians will experience trials. Non-Christians will experience trials. The difference is in how we view the trials that we experience. And you look like you don't believe me already. Let me check for a moment. If you've never had a problem, stand up. (laughs) 
I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Yeah, because if, you, if you're walking on, on two legs, if, you, if you've been here for a while, or if you've been like my grandpa used to say, uh, if you haven't encountered it, just keep on living, um, you will experience some trouble, some trials, the unexpected circumstances of life will come upon us because problems are, they're inevitable. Problems are inevitable. Problems are unpredictable. Not only are they inevitable, but they are unpredictable. Problems are, are variable, meaning they, they come in different shapes and sizes at different times. In fact, the truth is, problems have a key to your property. Okay. They know the code to your door. They know how to get into your residence. They know where you work. They know where you play. Uh, they know where you live. They know your kids. Don't look at them right now because I'm not saying your kids are problems, but, you know. Oh, you said it. I didn't. All right, it is. Uh, but they do come because problems are, are inevitable. They're unpredictable. They're, they're variable. But the part that I really want you to hold on to is that for the believer... Problems are purposeful. We often say, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. So James says that we, brothers and sisters, are to be able to count it as joy when we experience trials of many kinds because, and here it is, I want you to get this, because God uses problems as a, a pathway to perfection for the believer. That, that, that God uses problems. God uses problems. Let me go ahead and correct a misnomer and a misteaching at times when those of us um, have fallen victim to an erroneous teaching to believe that when we come to Christ, Mason, we got to get this because the reality is when we come to Christ, it doesn't absolve us from experiencing problems. When we are followers of Christ, it doesn't mean all of a sudden we are inoculated from trials. No, actually the opposite of that is true because Christ himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation, but he said, but be of good cheer. Some of you in Bible readers up in here, for I have overcome the world. You're going to have problems. In fact, if you are a student of the text, you'll realize that every person mentioned used by God in Scripture encountered problems. Oh, oh, you still disconnected? I'm going to catch you for a moment here. And how can you be a Christian and serve Christ who himself encountered uh, you with me here. Uh, it's, it's inevitable, but in the hand of God, it's, it's purposeful. It's purposeful. Because trials, testing, it's like strength training uh, for increased endurance to get us to, to spiritual maturity. This is the objective. The objective is that God intends, orchestrates, directs the circumstances of our lives to get us to look more and more like him. Uh, I'm in a text um, because, uh, Teresa, I know that we face trials. I know that we will have problems. But how 
should we realize our problems? How should we see our, our experience that is oftentimes uncomfortable, but nonetheless good for us? Well, James says we're supposed to be, be joyful. Do you agree with him? No, these aren't rhetorical questions. I want to know. Do you, do you agree with them? I often tell believers, I said, now listen, in the case where you disagree with what's in the Bible, one person's right and the other's wrong. And let me get you, help you understand, um, when you disagree with what God has said in the word, you're always wrong. Because God is always right. Which means then, if we're commanded to count it all joy, then God will equip us with the ability to be joyful even in unlikely, uncomfortable circumstances that God will give you what you need in order for you to proceed forward even in the face of problems and still be able to praise him. Ah, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. So how, how, should, we, how should we realize our problems? Well, we should realize it as, as tools in the trustworthy hand of God. That, that when you believer, when you've placed your trust in God and you encounter a trial of various kinds, then you view that trial as a tool in God's hands. That God is using your trial to bring about your perfection. He uses trials to purify our faith, to, to fortify our, our Christ-like practices, to sanctify our character. In God's hands, trials are really lessons. Lessons that he intend for us to learn. Check out what he told us. Many of you have committed this as a life verse um, for your life. But look at it in Jeremiah 29, 11. For God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declared the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil. He says to give you a future and a hope. Do you believe him? When you look at God's word, uh, he says in Hebrews 12, 7 and 11, check it out. He says, it is for discipline. That word discipline means training. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline, does not train? For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Uh, do you believe God knows what he's doing? Do you believe God knows what he's doing even in your life? And God is sovereign, which means God is always in control. So he's even in control of the problems that he allows to be presented in your life. And when you're encountering them, you can trust the God of your life that he knows what he's doing. Ah, Peter didn't know that. Peter knew that. Because in a moment, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And it was at that first institution of the Lord's Supper where, where God is having a discussion, Christ is having a discussion with his disciples. And he tells them, by the end of the night, all of you are going to desert me. And Peter says, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and give you this in Avery's translation. Peter says, look, Lord, if all these jokers run away, 
I'm going to be with you. I'm going to ride or die. I'm going to roll with you, Lord, till the wheels fall off. Okay, some of you don't know that. Huh? He says, God, I'm, I'm not going nowhere. And Jesus, Jesus tells Peter, uh, Peter, come here, man. Let me, let me talk to you for a moment. He says, Peter, uh, before morning time, before the rooster crows, he says, you're going to deny me three times. He says, oh, because Satan has, check this out, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Satan made a request to sift you as wheat, which means somebody had to give Satan permission. Hmm? But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith fails not. He tells Peter, so when you are restored, he says, strengthen your some of you know the Bible. Strengthen your brother. And here's the reality. The reality is, is that God at times orchestrates the trials that we encounter. You don't believe me? Ask Job. Job will tell you. Things are going real good one day. And then the next day, all things. Well, I had another word that was coming there, but I'm going to let you put the. Everything began to, to fall apart. And, and oftentimes, we, we, if we're not careful, we'll judge that experience as though we're out of the will of God or out of line with God's will. When the truth is, when you're encountering trials, you at times is, are exactly where God wants you to be. I know it's tight, but it's right. It's right here in the text. For he tells us, that God uses trials. So later on, Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their soul to a faithful creator while doing good. James tells us that we encounter trials so that we are better able to to persevere, to have perseverance, to develop endurance. So in verse 4, actually, it's coming from a combined Greek word, uh, one meaning under and remain. And so he's saying then that when you're going through a trial, know it's in a tool, as a tool in the hands of God so that you'll be able to remain under it and not fall. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're not with me. Let me, let me see if I can put it this way. Um, there's a story about the great um, classical pianist and composer Ignace um, Paderewski. Uh, he was a Poland pianist, and um, he was in concert one day. And while he was in concert one day, a mother uh, who was trying to encourage her seven-year-old son to really give himself more to his piano practices thought it would be a good idea to bring her son to experience this concert. So she brings her son to the concert, but then she sees someone she knows in the aisle and began to strike up a conversation with her friend in the aisle. Unbeknownst to her at this time, her seven-year-old then began to wander off. He went to a place where it says no admittance and he made his way past uh, the, the backstage and there he saw a beautiful piano. He got to that piano. This seven-year-old for the first time got to the piano and he began to pluck out, to tinker out uh, this, the only song that he knew. He began to tinker it out, a twinkle, twinkle, little star. He didn't realize it, but while he was tinkering it out on this piano, the curtains opened and lights came on. Um, and all of a sudden, all the congregation, I said congregation, but the audience was looking at him. You can imagine his mother's surprise when she sees her seven-year-old not sitting with her in the concert, but actually the focal point of the concert, and he's playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. 
At that time, this, this professional master pianist comes behind this little seven-year-old boy. He puts, the master puts his hands over his hands. And while he's playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, this master composer began to add seven layers to the song, making it into a masterpiece, telling the little boy, don't stop, keep going. And as they were doing, doing their dance through the keys, the congregation stood up. I keep saying the congregation. The audience stood up um, because they were amazed that such a beautiful composition could be made out of a little boy's effort to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. I'm just trying to encourage somebody. As you are going through your trial and you're trying to make it, you got the master whose hands are on your life. And even though it doesn't look like it's going to be a masterpiece. He still knows how to bring good out of every bad situation. Why? Because we can, we can trust him. Not only are we able to trust him, um, but we trust him to the degree that we, we seek him. See, that there's a misnomer also, and it's not in Scripture, but sometimes we, things get caught in our minds and we hear it long enough and we think it's the Bible when really it's not the Bible, Sonia. I mean, really, I mean, have you heard it before where somebody said, um, a God won't give you more than you can bear? Don't you want to tell them, you better stop lying. Because there's some stuff that I've been through that I know I couldn't bear, but God enabled me to stand because he was standing with me. When you're going through a trial, you have to remember that God is with you. He's with you, and he's there to empower you. Ah, you're missing it. It's, it's right there in text. Because he goes on, James goes on in verse 5, and he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, because God is there who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the, for the one who doubts is like, like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In this context of James, James is teaching us. I know sometimes we, we, we extrapolate that text and try to apply it to everything, but you got to keep it in its context to understand the meaning of the text. And what James is saying in this context, as he's teaching us, is this is how we approach trials. That when we encounter trials of various kinds, we go to God for clarity to understand while we're going through what we're going through. Ah, uh, okay, I knew I had to get a witness. David said it this way. He said, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the, you know it. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art, thou art with me. So when you know God is with you, then you can inquire to God for that which you need to get through what you're going through. And that's really what's happening here. He says, ask of God, and God doesn't criticize you for asking. God welcomes you to ask him, and the Bible says he gives his wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowledge, but wisdom teaches you what to do with the knowledge. Wisdom teaches you how to follow God's instruction, even though you're going through a trial, that you can follow God's instruction knowing that God will lead you through it with his direction, his guidance, and his wisdom. Um, he says that we ought to ask God for wisdom. Why? Because he gives it to us generously. So how then should we respond to our problems? Uh, trust God. 
and trust God's word. Listen, don't, don't despise when you're in a season of trial. Married couples, don't, don't let the trial cause tension between the two of you when you're a team of one. Mm, okay, I said appeal to the wisdom of God. Because God said for all the married people out here and those who want to be married, he said, uh, to all the men, he said, I will make you one flesh. And every now and then trials will come to try to divide you, but what God has joined together. Uh, I'm trying to talk to somebody here. Let, let no one put asunder. There's some people here right now. You matriculated through school. You made it. But the truth is there are some trials when you're going through school. There are some times you're wondering how I'm going to pay off this tuition. How am I going to make it uh, through this course? And some of us, we graduated not summa cum laude, but we graduated thank you, Lord. And you can testify. You can testify, listen, uh, that, that I had a trial, but God was with me and I was able to make it through. Because the truth is, without trials, we really don't learn how to progress spiritually. Okay? Even naturally, we have this same, um, this same thing. Because when you look at a child who's learning how to walk, we never, none of us learn how to walk without falling. And you know what happens when you fall, that baby falls, there's somebody around him encouraging him, saying, get back up, get back up, it's going to be okay. Smiling at him, telling him, you could do this, you could do this, that baby is wobbling, uh, and then the baby falls again. Notice how the baby doesn't cry when it falls because it always looks up to see the one that they, they trust uh, to encourage them. Come here, brothers and sisters, that when you're in a trial and it's all around you, the text says when, you, when you're in trials of various kinds, which means you're falling in the trial, and everywhere you look, you see elements of the trial. You see, you have, you, have you ever been there? Like, like trouble comes and, and it keeps coming. Like if you have trouble at the job, then you have trouble at home. You have trouble with your finance. You have trouble with your kids. You have trouble with your spouse. Don't look at your spouse right now. You have trouble uh, with your supervisor. And it happens all at the same. Don't, don't look at me right now. No, no, no. no. Uh, all at the same time. But when it's all around you, don't forget there's another direction you can look. When your trouble's on your right and trouble's on your left, trouble's behind you, you can always look up for the God who's above you and he will help you in your time of need. Ah, for God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in times of, some of y'all know the word, in times of, of trouble. So how then do we respond to our problems? Well, he began by telling us we must joyful, have joyful reflection. Uh, that, that you ought to be excited over the reality that even though you're going through a trial, it doesn't mean that God has left you. He says in Philippians 4, he said, rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, he said, rejoice. Because sometimes when we're in some difficult spaces, we forget to rejoice. That God is able to sustain you while you are going through. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all that the God, your Lord, is near. God is with us. So we can rejoice. And when you rejoice, you respond with a faith-filled reason. Meaning, if God orders my steps, and I believe the word of God, and I've trusted in the Lord, then I read somewhere where he says, all things. Okay, so, some believers in here. Uh, not some things, not a few things, but he says, all things, Doug, will work together for the 
uh -huh, to them who love God, who are called according to his purposes. So if you know you love God and you've been called by God, no matter what's happening in your life in this season or the next, you can trust God's word that he has a way. Not, not you, not me, but he has a way. Like grandma used to do with that pot, you know, with the food. She said, oh, give me that food. She'd put that leftover together, throw a little something, something in it, and all of a sudden it didn't taste like yesterday or the day before because it tastes even better than it tastes. Oh, some of y'all didn't grow up in the country like I did. It tasted better than ever. That's what God is able to do with your life. He says, bring it to me and watch how I can take that mess and make a miracle out of it. Mm. Uh, this is how we ought to respond because we can rejoice because we know that God brings good out of bad for those who've placed their trust in him. So we looked at how we should realize our problem as tools in the hands of a trustworthy God. We examined through text how we should respond to our problems joyfully, reflecting on what God has done and what God is able to do while we're going through and let that faithful reasoning guide us as we make our prayer requests to God. And now together we look at how we should remain through our problems. Look at verse 9. He says, let the lowly brother boast in his exhortation and the rich in his humiliation, because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat, they must be in Texas, <laughs> and withers the grass, its flowers fall and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away and in the midst of his pursuits. Look at verse 12. But blessed is the one, blessed is the man who remains steadfast yeah. under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Yeah. Don't miss this. That God, when he allows a test to come, a trial to come, it's not a temptation. God doesn't tempt us. God tests us. And God only tests you when he knows he's prepared you to pass the test. Oh, man, I hope you catch this. Because the truth is, God doesn't want us to have to repeat the test. Mm -hmm. But some of us, we've been repeating the same test. All right, I'm not, I can't look at nobody right now. I'm looking at the camera, yes. Um, because we fail to realize and to value the test that when we're going through a trial, that means God is up to something in our lives. He wants to show us a part of him that we haven't known before, and the test will reveal to us what God wants to do in and through our lives. So when you encounter a trial, remember that it's a pathway to your perfection. Ah, perfection. It doesn't mean that you'll be sinless. It means you'll be complete. Uh, this word, perfection, speaks of uh, making it to the end, seeing the finish line and knowing that you're going to make it. Even though you're feeling pain while you're running this race, you're going to make it because you can see the finish line. You know that God is in control. So when you are in a trial, understand it reminds us that we must see our need for God. When you're in a trial, remember it's a reminder to see our need for God. I like what Moses said when Moses was dealing with some, the children of Israel because they were getting on his last spiritual nerve. Um, and and uh, God told Moses, listen, Moses, uh, you go ahead and take these people. Check out what Moses said. Moses said, God, um, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring me up from here. 
Why? Because I see my need for God. Y'all, listen, we get in trouble when we think we can do it ourselves. We get in trouble when we think we can handle the problems ourselves. And the more we try to intervene, isn't it the worse it gets? Hmm? We thought it was going to work this time. If I did this time, uh, this would work. If I do it that way, then maybe it worked. And the more you try, the worse it seems to get. Perhaps you try Jesus first. Because hmm? he can help us in our times of need. Uh, but trials also does another thing. That when you're facing trials, not only should you remember uh, that we need God, Remember that trials reveal our true character. Mm -hmm. That when you're going through a trial, at times God uses that trial to illuminate that part of your life that you haven't surrendered or trusted him with. I'm there. I mean, when you come before God in trial, you start to realize some stuff that you didn't know. Uh, kind of like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, he's going before the Lord. He's in worship just like we are. And he said in his time of worship in chapter 6, he said he saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Uh, he heard the angels echoing, holy, holy, holy. And then when he saw God's holiness, he saw how unholy he was. And Isaiah said, whoa, it's me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And God, you know the people I've been hanging with. They're people, too, of unclean lips. Because when you come into presence, of God and you're going through a trial, he wants to grow you. He grows you by revealing to you what's a part of you that's not like him. And some of us right now, he's challenging us to learn how to surrender. Some of us, we want to be in control of everything. Okay, just me. And God has to bring some trials to realize you're not in control of anything but you can trust me because I'm in control of all of it. It reveals to us um, our character. But finally, when you're going through a trial, remember that it reminds you to see Jesus. Because when you look at Jesus and you remember the cross of Calvary, then you see him taking on the greatest trial. He's carrying the weight of our sins to the cross. He is carrying our problems, our struggles. He's carrying it. He's been beaten. He's been brutalized. He's, he's been uh, maimed. He's been, he's been uh, accosted. And there he is now on the cross. Anytime we think we have a problem that we can't overcome, we ought to look at the cross. So the cross, he demonstrated to us that he's greater than any problem because he took the problems of the world, bared them on the cross, paid the penalty of our sins that in Christ we can be set free. And the Bible says who the Son has set free. You know it, don't you? Is free indeed. You can trust him through a trial because Christ demonstrated that he's endured the greatest trial and he came out triumphantly because the Bible says on the third day he rose from the grave with all power in his hands and if you want to know how to make it through your next trial you ought to look at Jesus follow the lordship of Christ and watch how he'll take your Friday crucifixion and he'll turn it into a resurrection who am I talking to in this place And in a moment, we're going we're gonna to celebrate just that. Because he didn't want us to forget that we have victory through him.
Victory over every problem, every circumstance, every trial. When we learn to, to come to him. I hear him say, come unto me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, heavy, heavy burdened. And Jesus says, come, I'll give you rest. He says, then you take my yoke upon you and you, you learn from me. You learn how to navigate the trials. You learn how to appreciate the trials. You learn how to say, you know what? God is up to something in my life. And the greater the problem, mm, the greater the testimony. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him. You can trust him. Not to keep you away from trials. You can trust him to use trials to bring out the treasure that he's placed in your life. That you would know him as the one who never leaves you, who never forsakes you, who loves you unconditionally and says, when you call upon me, everybody who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. That's his desire for you. My last supper, he those disciples, when he took the bread and the cup, he said, I want you to remember this. Remember this. Just before we remember, remember the Bible also tells us that as we gather to celebrate the supper, that we ought not partake with unclean hands and, and unclean hearts. So I invite you to bow your heads all over the building. It's not if we sinned, it's that we sinned. But we have the promise of Christ that says if you confess your sins, he is faithful. He's just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So Holy Father, we're before you in this sacred space. We are surrendering our lives to you and are committing to trust you in whatever we're going through. We won't doubt your love because when we see Calvary's cross, we see a demonstration of your unfailing love. We won't doubt your presence because you've told us that you will always be with us. And we know that you can do a cleansing work in our lives even now. So please forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Open our eyes that we might see the truth of your amazing grace and live with confidence in knowing that you will never forsake us. So as we prepare to remember your sacrifice of love for us, help us that we might be filled with your spirit and trust even more your will for our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations.
we'll see you soon.